0: Welcome back to another episode of Mental Debugging. This is our sixth episode now. Thank you to everybody who's joining us, whatever day and time it may be where you're listening. Uh, If you want to join our growing community, as always, our Discord information is listed in the show notes. Uh, We appreciate everybody who's continued to join that Discord. Uh, We also have our Twitter that is (laughs) semi-active. A work in progress. I'm personally working to get back into social media usage around that, so any feedback you guys have from that would be greatly appreciated. I know I haven't been that active on it, so that's something I'm looking to kind of implement going forward. Um, Shout out to Christian for joining us on last week's episode and being our first guest. Uh, You did a great job. We really enjoyed the conversation with you and cannot wait to have you back on. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed him as well. Uh, You should all expect to hear from him again. I'm Nathaniel, and with me, as always, is Chris. Hello, everyone. Does Christian listen to the podcast? Is he a listener? Uh, You know, that's a great question. I think he listened to one or two leading up to being on, but I know he lives a crazy busy lifestyle. He's actually going back to school, I do believe, it's either now or like in the fall semester. I guess it would be now, um, for his doctorate as well as teaching full-time uh as uh, well as being involved in a, a couple local community uh events and organizations around like um the arts and acting so he is crazy busy so i'm not sure what kind of time he allocates to something like listening to podcasts i'm not 100 percent sure on that
1: gotcha okay cool
0: mm-hmm uh during our last episode uh with christian and chris we discussed race and racism if you have not had a chance to listen it's a pretty great episode. I know I got a lot out of the conversation and um, was really challenged throughout the conversation. Um, I would encourage all of you to take some time and listen to it as well. Um, this week, we're once again shifting gears a little bit to a topic that isn't as commonly discussed or critiqued or assessed or thought about, uh, and that is relationships. So, Chris, I know this is something that you've brought up previously, and I um, have read quite a bit of information around. Relationship structures and all that. Why do you think it's important for everyone to discuss and assess their relationships?
1: So we're gonna be talking about relationships as a whole not necessarily romantic relationships, but just you know every relationship that you have with other people I I Think it makes sense for us to talk about because in a way when we talked about self-care we kind of talked about a relationship there And then I think when we talked about death, we talked about a different type of relationship. So I think we've actually covered two types of relationships already. The relationship with your own mortality, uh, the relationship you have with your own care. And so then this one is just the relationship you have with everybody else, be it friends, family, romantic partners, stuff like that. And I think it's because as a species, we're very cooperative and we like to be around people and be in communities, we're constantly engaging in different types of relationships with people. And I think to be able to navigate that really well, or at least figure out where, you know, some of the flaws might lie for it, I think is really valuable.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I actually was challenged to assess my relationships earlier this year. Um, I read the book, Minimalism, uh, Live a Meaningful Life. Um, I can't remember the author's names, but they will be in the show notes. Shout out to Chris. Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus. He's out here Googling while I'm talking. No, um, I know who it is. <laughs> do you really? Wow. I I, I'm so bad with names, man. I can't remember stuff like that off the top of my head. Um, I used but to I listen to their that.
1: podcast, and they always mm, introduce themselves okay. with their names, so it's kind of hard to forget.
0: Okay, that's that's fair. Thank you for that shout out. But anyways, I listened to that I listened to that audiobook earlier this year, and in listening to that they talked about you know relationships as something to take a minimalist approach to um and really assessing who are you interacting with who's you know who are the people that are biggest influences in your life who are you investing your time in what they kind of did it in tiers of you know the nearest tier the kind of medium tier that you interact with sometimes and then the the kind of peripheral relationships um and it had you assess it and there were some activities around it Um, But really challenging me to assess my friendships and relationships, the people around me that I'm commonly interacting with through a critical lens, which is not something that I had ever really done before. I mean, to some degree, right? You hear things like you're the culmination of your five closest friends and you're the, you know, you are a product of your environment. So to some degree, it makes sense, but really taking time writing everybody out, you know, who are the people I'm interacting with? How close am I to them? How important are they to me? What kind of an influence? Are they a positive influence? Are they a negative or a neutral influence? Um, to really challenge me to think about it in that way. Um, so when you, we talk about, you know, the this exterior relationships and relationships with other people, um, I've gotten a chance to really assess it in my own life recently. Uh, and it was... It was interesting, you know, there were people who I wasn't prioritizing as much as I should or I wanted to be closer to that I was realizing I was putting more effort into other people. Um, so I, I limited the amount of time that I'm interacting with my peripheral relationships to really focus on those close ones. And things like this, you and I, have come from that because you are somebody who I feel is a good influence and I do want to be close with, you know, so it open the door to think about things in this kind of light and put me in situations like this instead of continuing to focus on the relationships that I was focusing on prior. Yeah, yeah, I can understand
1: that. And I've, I've never written down the list of names of the people that I interact with or the relationships that I have with them. Uh, I think that sounds like a really useful exercise that might be, have to be something I do. But I do definitely analyze the relationships I have with people, um, not just you know, what they bring to me, but also what is my interaction with them, because I noticed that sometimes my behavior is different depending on how I interact with some people. And that, uh, you know, kind of leads us into this conversation that we had a couple weeks ago, where I think I introduced you to the idea of horizontal and vertical relationships. So basically speaking, um, this concept is from The Courage to be Disliked, uh, which is a book I don't think I've read it anywhere else. This is where I remember it coming from. But essentially, the idea is that we tend to most people tend to put their relationships in a vertical relationship. Um, The book mentions you can't really do both. You can't have a mixture of horizontal and vertical. It's either one or the other, essentially. So most people tend to do vertical relationships, which means they kind of have a hierarchy among their their friends or their family, which basically means there might be someone that you value more when they say, let's say two people give you an opinion. It's likely that if you're in a vertical relationship with people that you're going to go to one person and value their opinion higher than another person's because you might feel that they're actually below you in your hierarchical structure that you've put into place for your own relationships. And so that ends up being kind of a bad thing as you could probably imagine um the alternative to this is the horizontal relationships which is the idea that everybody is equal but everybody is different we're all kind of on the same plane you know we're kind of all walking in the same direction on the same plane together Um, but some people walk faster than others and some people are further ahead and it's enough in your life to just keep moving forward without having to worry about where that person is in relation to where you are in the same position in life, which I think can be really valuable.
0: hmm Interesting. Yeah, I remember we briefly talked about it a couple weeks ago, and that was kind of what spurred, you know, this topic as something to talk about. Because in thinking through and, and writing everybody out, I mean, to some degree... <laughs> i was verticaling the relationships right i was saying who's who's where in the scale of people that i would like to interact with and wouldn't like to interact with and i think it's while horizontal relationship sounds like kind of the dream scenario it's gotta be so hard to actually view it in that light right this is something you read a while ago right like it's Last not a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have you like? What has that looked like as you've paid attention to vertical versus horizontal since then for you? Have you realized so I think, anything?
1: I I think it's still. I think there's still value in recognizing who adds value to your life and who may not. You know, I don't think that necessarily has to be implied upon the vertical horizontal spectrum. You know, I think there's value in that. Um, but I think this right. is more along the lines of okay, let's say you've narrowed down the ten people in your life that you do value a lot instead of comparing yourself against those 10 people in your relationship or you know this person's opinion matters more to me than this person's even though they both are very important people in my life this is more trying to have an equal impact or influence from all people around you uh, that you find value from which is hard it's not easy and i think the biggest thing that's that comes up when i first was introduced to this was when you start talking to people and you realize Wow, I do have a vertical relationship with this person, and I do have this kind of, you know, mentality where what they say isn't as meaningful to me, or I feel like they're constantly wrong, or they don't know what they're doing, or you know, I'm in a better position than they are, so I can say stuff. You know what I mean?
0: Like, mm-hmm.
1: no, it kind for of sure. for some people, you almost feel inferior to them, and then to other people, you feel superior, and so you yeah. it just kind of dictates how you like how you communicate with them, and then that. Uh-huh it doesn't really help your relationship. I mean, to be feeling inferior when you're with someone in a relationship doesn't do you any good. And to be superior doesn't do you any good either. And so the goal is to try and remove that inferiority complex by not comparing. Mm -hmm. And really, the only way to do that is to recognize that you even do it in the first place, right? Right. You can't fix it if you're not aware of it.
0: Yep. Yeah, and that goes to a lot of things. You know, this is, it's so subtle. But as you're describing it and talking about it, I mean, it's easy it's probably easiest to see in a work setting. Do your work relationships match the hierarchical structure of your jobs? Like, does is it very clear that the boss is the boss and how he treats someone or that someone is the janitor and somebody treats them poorly, right? Like that's probably the easiest way to see it. And so in that context, you could still have different roles and different jobs, but treat everybody equally in the same. Right? Yeah. Like obviously, there's job stuff that's going to be different, but in terms of relationship, how you treat each other, uh, all that you know soft skills type stuff, um that's where it can change. interesting. so when somebody is in you know a vertical relationship and you identify that and it's that someone else is treating you differently because they think less or more of you did it talk at all about how to have those kinds of conversations cuz at the end of the day relationships are kind of a culmination of how we choose to interact with somebody else and how they respond to our interaction with them so it, like if somebody feels that is there a way to introduce that or what does that look like
1: so that's kind of the other side that I find challenging so noticing you know the way you interact with your own relationships and kind of working through that is one thing right and then noticing that okay well the other person probably has a vertical relationship with me and maybe they don't view my opinion this way or maybe they view it too highly at the end of the day though that's really not for me to decide that's for them to figure out and work through um so i don't really care honestly if someone views our relationship as horizontal or vertical because i'm gonna work to view them as horizontal because i have control over that i you know i can't control what they do with that now if you're close enough with them, I definitely think it's worth a conversation to say, hey, have you ever heard about horizontal vertical relationships and kind of detail it out a little bit and, you know, what you think it is and or how Plant it applies to you?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, let them think about it and go from there. You know, that's yeah. really the best you can do. You you certainly don't want to approach someone and go, well, you, you have a vertical relationship with me because you think my opinion <laughs> yeah. is invalid all the time. And I'm like there's always going to be people that think your opinions are invalid or whatever the case may be. You can scrounge the internet for YouTube and Reddit and just about anything you post, someone's going to have a problem with it. And ultimately it's on you to take a look at it and go, I don't have to engage with this. I don't have to be worried by this. I don't have to be bothered by this.
0: I think that's a really good point that you bring up there that you are only in control of your half of the relationship. Um, So when you identify those kinds of things or you feel uncomfortable in a relationship, the only thing you truly can control is yourself. Obviously, you can have conversations and bring things up, but owning your responsibility in the relationship first and foremost, and really is the only thing you can own in it, right? You can't force somebody else to want to engage with you. You can't force that relationship. Um, Similarly, I think, you know, as we're talking about relationships and engaging with others, you mentioned, you know, views uh in there like making sure that we are open and understanding as we engage with others i feel like is such an important foundation to a strong relationship that even if you disagree like i have a wide variety of people i know well and have interacted with over the years and from all different backgrounds and walks of life and i've never tried to convert any of them to any of my thought processes like that's just not the way that i think people should go about things. I I also grew up in a very religious family and got to observe forcing beliefs or opinions on others, or trying to, I guess I should say. So mm-hmm. in, in viewing that, it's been something that I've swung really far the other way on, where when I meet somebody new or I'm interacting with somebody new, like really taking a, a very delicate approach with understanding them and what they care about and what's important to them, before I even start getting into my own... Thoughts or opinions on things, um, because I just I feel like it's it sets this foundation for like openness and understanding that's really important um to be able to have healthy, horizontal relationships, right? Where we understand each other and we get to know each other and we talk openly with each other instead of condemning each other or thinking less about somebody else because of how they are or what they think,
1: yeah. and I. You know i think when it comes to your views and talking to other people about your opinion and what and how you see things i think when you get defensive and you try to change people's minds on something i think that's a sign of insecurity i think that's you kind of regressing into more of an infantile state because you're so insecure with yourself that you have to be accepted by other people um, for what you think or what you believe and it doesn't have to be that way. I think that takes some work on yourself to kind of figure out, I, I'm i allowed to believe different things, and that's okay. And they're allowed to believe different things, and that's okay. You know, I was in a conversation recently on YouTube, which is probably one of the worst places to be in a conversation, oh honestly. Oh, boy, yeah. Like in the um, comment
0: thread? Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, boy. So I was watching a video on money, I think. It was like the psychology of money or something like that. And they mentioned... You know, the history of bartering and uh, things of that nature. And I read a book last year called The History of Debt, the first 5,000 years of debt. And the book basically suggests that there's really not a lot of history or evidence that bartering ever actually happened. It may never have actually occurred. And so we may actually be completely wrong in thinking that it's something that actually happened. And they may have used debt as a currency instead of bartering goods. So I mentioned that in the comment section, just being like, you know, this might be a book to check out, you know? And someone replied that it's ridiculous and that's nonsense and all this kind of stuff. And I said, I mean, you know, it's just, I'm just telling you what I read. It may be something we're checking out, but I think it's interesting to foster and be open to ideas. And that apparently sent him on a rage because he gave me back many paragraphs and called me pretentious and a bunch of other things. And I'm like, okay, that's where we've gotten to on this. And I, you know, I just sit there for a minute, just kind of thinking like, what do I want to do with this? Like how do you, how do I respond to this? And ultimately my response to that thread was, you know, teach their own, you know, best of you know, best of luck. That's all I ended up saying because I was like, you're not (laughs) going to change someone's mind when they've decided they're that firm on a stance. And I was like, it's not my job to change their opinion. It's my job to be secure in what I believe and be open to the idea that something might be wrong. And you know, if I don't agree with it, I don't have to engage with it. And I was able to walk away. And I yeah. think that's where a lot of people fail. They get engaged with something and instead of pushing back in a respectful way, they dig in even harder and they, you know, becomes arguing and yelling and, you know, a really yeah. nasty fight. When in reality, like we talked about mm. maybe two episodes ago or something where you you don't have to have an opinion over anything. Yeah. You can you can choose not to.
0: Right? Yeah, and that that's that has resonated with me and stuck with me. So as I've approached new ideas or ideas that are different or changing or as I'm viewing any of my opinions I'm keeping in the back of my mind that phrase and it's been really mentally beneficial for me um emotionally beneficial for me as well because I haven't gotten frustrated at things as easily to to understand that I don't have to have an opinion about something well and you kind of
1: notice it relieves your insecurity a little bit too it it kind of takes the tension and anxiety away from having differing, differing opinions of other people because you're just like, meh, you know, if it is that way, then it is that way. If it's not, that's fine. You know, you, it kind of puts you in a position where if you're wrong, you can accept it and move on. If you're right, that doesn't mean anything. Um, and you just kind of move on anyway.
0: Yeah. No matter what, you're going to move on from the conversation. And like, whether you're right, wrong, win, lose the conversation, it actually... Most of the time doesn't have a massive bearing on your life, you know. In those, in the greater (laughs) examples like that, yeah. Yeah, In the greater scheme of things, like you probably won't remember it for years. It's not going to affect your decision making for years. So why get so heated about it in that moment or frustrated? Anyways, I think that's a an important thing to keep in mind. As at least for me, it's been important to keep in mind as I have relationships with people and get to know, especially new people, different backgrounds in a new setting um, because it allows you go ahead
1: I was gonna say I think the other component for you know when you're talking to people about their views and opinions is instead of trying to impose your opinion or give your opinion uh, just try asking them how they came to that opinion why do they feel that way about that opinion Um, you know get some more context around it It, you know there was a person
0: ask questions instead of you know telling
1: Yeah, there was a person, I was watching a video yesterday, and a comment was about, like, you know, communism and how it, XYZ, you know, the the tropes of communism and how it is. And I just asked the question of, like, are you, is is this your belief with all communism, or is this just your belief with certain ideologies that, you know, are communist? Because there are a bunch of different ones. And so I'm like, I just want clarification. I'm not trying to start anything. And I think that adds a lot of value. If you can get context, you can ask why, you can just get a deeper understanding as to why they feel the way they do and i think if you are having a conversation where you want to see if you can maybe sway them to be a little bit more open-minded about something then ask the question of okay well what what could i what kind of evidence could i show you that might change your mind about this you know to kind of get the get the ground running because then if they say, Well, I need to see this, that, and the other, and you can show them that and they don't change their opinion, then you go, This is a waste of a conversation. Or if they say there's nothing you could show me that would change my mind, also a waste of a conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as as you're thinking about, you know, your relationships and engaging with the people around you, like you're obviously gonna have some common threads as far as views, typically at least. What other kinds of things are important? that you've found or do you feel like are important when somebody's building relationships?
1: I think vulnerability is probably one of the big ones, and it's probably one of the hard ones. I think to have a good relationship with somebody is to be vulnerable with them and to be honest about who you are, um, what you feel, how you think, and, and, and to do it in a respectful way. But On the other side of that, you know, being vulnerable is difficult, but you also need to give people the space to be vulnerable with you without feeling that you're judging them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing if you can be vulnerable to everybody, but you're not going to have a lot of friends if they choose to be vulnerable and turns out you like to judge the shit out of everybody. Yeah, Um, true. (laughs) It doesn't do any good for anyone.
0: Yeah. Uh, Like, there's this piece, too, of just connecting with somebody that as I assess relationships and thought about who I engage with well and who there's kind of this like natural piece of it that it feels like where there's emotionally being on the same page or the way you communicate being on the same page. I look at a lot of my friendships and relationships and there are some simil- similar threads around how both I and they like to communicate and how I and they um, like to discuss things or where they are emotionally or mentally so i think there's i think there's some natural like cohesion that happens too um that if you feel tension or discomfort with somebody a lot of times it's coming from one of those couple places like either there's some some lack of vulnerability where you don't understand where you stand or like you guys haven't talked it out or you know there's some some baggage there or like lacking that connection with somebody that you haven't like maybe it's just you and they don't interact in the same way and that's okay like there were a few people that i realized i was kind of forcing a relationship with because i wanted to communicate in a certain way and they weren't engaging in the same way and i was just kind of trying to force it yeah. to be okay letting those go and allowing them to not be something that we force ourselves to invest a bunch of time into um where like it was draining right it was draining for me where i was investing a bunch of time and effort where it didn't feel like it was a two-way street um and i feel like that's important as well where you're you talked about it a little bit understanding what they bring to the relationship what you bring to the relationship um but there's a level of effort in the relationship too like yeah does somebody else meet them halfway yeah, yeah does somebody else engage halfway. back with you as well yeah what about damaging it like what what kinds of things have damaged relationships for you
1: well two things so one you mentioned you know not wanting to really uh, you know try with certain relationships that aren't good for you there are going to be times in your life where of course work relationships are an example where <laughs> right. you're going to have to put in the effort and try to meet someone halfway when maybe you don't necessarily like them or agree with them uh, but you need to figure out a way around that you know you need to figure out how to connect with that person a little bit better um, one how thing to have we... the
0: relationship without getting angry about the fact that you don't like them? Like you yeah. can have a relationship with somebody you don't like.
1: Yeah, certainly. And we're all put in positions at some stage in our life where we have to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's a skill that you have to learn and you know, figure out how to navigate. One thing that is in our notes that we didn't really mention, but I think we really need to, because this is a this is something that I think people don't recognize is that other people are not responsible for how you feel and you're not responsible for how other people feel so you're responsible for your own feelings so you're supposed to own that what you say to somebody else like you can't control how they respond to it you can say things in a nice respectful way to try and make it land softly Um, But ultimately, even if you do and they and they respond negatively, that's not really your responsibility. Like everybody's responsible for their own feelings. And I mean, unless it was like you were,
0: you know, (laughs) being super aggressive or like somebody can be attempting to instill a reply out of somebody else. And then I would say that they are the person more responsible than the person who's responding where like they got baited into something because somebody like the YouTube comment do you have thing, to be right? baited though do you have no, to be baited so you, you I think that's
1: have... the thing it's like you can owning you can your come part to me, yeah you can come to me very angry very upset do I have to respond that way no mm-hmm. I I can let it roll off of me I can recognize that you know it's you're true. upset clearly but I don't have to be upset because you're upset I don't that's have tough. to let your emotions it's a hard thing Way on me, yeah. And I, I'm by no means is it simple, but I think it's something that we all need to be aware of.
0: Yeah, um, even just awareness around it. This has been something you and I have talked about. I think the Amor Fati episode brought this up. Um, this kind of mentality of not having to feel harmed by things that happen around us. Yeah, um, and being able to. You get the emotional internal reaction that you get, and then choosing what you do with that. I think ties right into what you're talking about, that you own yourself. The only thing you can control is yourself. If somebody else is doing something to try and antagonize or frustrate you or doing something that is frustrating you, you whether you take a moment or not, you do have a moment to choose how you respond and how you act in that situation. Yeah. Um,
1: There's a space between what happens to you and your response to what happens to you. And that's where you get the choice of, how you're going to move forward it's it's written about in a man's search for meaning which is about concentration camps and surviving concentration camps you know victor frankel mentions that and that's the the key point to how people survived it is they they were able to choose their response differently um than other people who basically just broke down and died from what was happening to them and that was the difference in that scenario literally between life and death
0: wow that's interesting. Relationships aren't quite as impactful as that, right? But it's unless your partner tries to kill you. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Whoever the whoever the person that you're in relationship with trying to murder you, then it could be life and death. That's fair. It's probably a little different to own your feelings in that scenario. <laughs> it's probably Maybe. not as common, right? Um, yeah, yeah. To, so to run you would ask, yeah, what damages? What's damaging. Relationships? Yeah. What what kinds of things should we pay attention to for ourselves, or have you found that Damage relationships Uh, the stories we tell
1: ourselves (laughs) is probably one of the biggest things okay Uh, which is a book by itself
0: also it's called the stories we tell ourselves but it's basically (laughs) you just wanted to drop that phrase you're like such a great title here I come it
1: is it is a good title because it makes Uh perfect sense it's the assumptions of what we think is occurring or what someone else is thinking or You know, the Mm. fantasies we make in our head about what's going to happen because of this situation, all that kind of stuff like that damages our relationship with other people. It damages our relationships with ourselves. Um, It causes basically nothing but problems. There's been probably very few times where you've told yourself a story and it was positive and it came out to be that way. Uh, Most of the time, we're really good at sitting in stories that are bad for us and, and trying to draw lines Back to historical things that have happened to us that are, you know, that remind us of it. Like, you know, for example, going on a date, it doesn't start out the right way. You might start telling yourself a story about, well, I had a date like this XYZ, you know, months ago. And so then you start thinking it's probably going to end up like this. Right. Right. And then that kind of closes you off to the possibility of other things occurring. And it might shut you down from, you know, a potential connection with somebody.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. There was, when I was, learning and being trained to interview early, early on, one of the things they talked about was not drawing parallels to other people, you know, like you're obviously assessing the individual that's in front of you for aptitudes and capabilities for the job that you're hiring for. Um, Similarly, if you're in a friend situation, you're probably doing some of the same, right? Like this, is this person going to, you know, connect with me in the ways I want or whatever. And to not when they have a similarity with somebody else. So in the interview setting, let's say they say a similar answer to what someone else said, and you hear that and you go, oh boy, that sounds like Dave, and Dave's got you know X, Y, and Z issues. Like, you're making a lot of assumptions about that person immediately, um, which absolutely gets in the way of them being allowed to showcase who they are individually. And so I think that's a really, it's interesting you bring that up first, because I bet that wouldn't be where a lot of folks go, but you're 100% right that the thought threads you let yourself go down about hypothetical situations or what someone else may or may not be doing, thinking, etc., cetera, absolutely gets in the way of relationships. It It probably damages a lot before they even get started because you're like, oh, you got a camo hat. That means.
1: Yeah, it damages your life in a lot of ways. I mean, you make assumptions about all kinds of stuff that happens because we're constantly looking for patterns in life. And I Mm -hmm. think trying to get away from assumptions and trying to stop the stories that you tell yourself is really, really important. It's really difficult, but I think the language you put around it made perfect sense where you let yourself go down the threads. You don't have to do it. It certainly is something you can stop. But if you don't know that you're doing it, then it's going to be something very difficult for you to kind of put an end to. It's when you catch yourself wasting two minutes on a story that is fantasy and doesn't actually exist. So you go, wait a second. This isn't yeah. reality. I'm not even living in the moment. I'm right. living in a future world that doesn't exist and may never, or come a, of, yeah, you, you know, may never come true.
0: I'm trying to be a mental fly on the wall in their apartment right now, assuming what yeah. I think might be going on when it's not even close. Um, what about like manipulation? Right, like uh, you or the other person that you're in a relationship with, attempting to deceive you or using somebody else. Like, those, I would imagine, are fairly, unfortunately, fairly common, right? Yeah. Um, That those are definitely ways to damage a relationship. Making sure that, and once again, we're only talking about what we can own, right? So ensuring that we don't lie or deceive or abuse somebody else's trust in us as we're going into relationships not using somebody else for a purpose, but like getting to know them as a person, even if you have to work together, they do serve a purpose in what you're attempting to accomplish. Like, yeah, understanding that they're a human being at the same time.
1: (laughs) That's a good point. We're talking about what we own, not what other people do, because we, yeah, we can't control that. You know, you can only do so much to stop your own manipulation and lying and stuff like that. If another person's going to do it, that's yep. a whole different situation where you need to right. make the call of what's the right decision, right? It's Yeah. So it's really about like, how do we be better about our relationships? We can't make other people better. But if you model better behavior, people tend to pick up on that and model better behavior themselves by association. So, you know, to model good behavior is to get good behavior, essentially.
0: Yeah. Being the, the change we want to see, right? And understanding that when we see these things in somebody else, that we have choices right of how we address that like if if somebody you are in relationship with you find is assuming things about you or telling themselves stories that are about you that are are just not true or like being overly anxious about things like that like being able to have a conversation about it You, you catch someone lying you catch someone who didn't tell you the truth about something and it hurts you like yeah you get to choose how you respond to that, right? You get to choose how you address that, and if the relationship is important enough to you, you have to address it and you have to work through it. Cuz that's something else that would damage relationships is like suppressing feelings and not engaging with where you stand in the relationship, you know? Yeah. If someone else truly has wronged you or you're upset about something, being able to have a comfortable conversation about that is important cuz it's just going to continue to Soften that foundation, right? We talked about the foundation of vulnerability and openness. If that's not there and you slowly whittle that away, like the relationship's going to either end in an explosion or just constantly get to a negative point where it's just not healthy for you or the other person potentially.
1: Yeah, and by radical honesty standards, um, withholding words or emotions or feelings about a situation because you're worried about someone else's feelings or hurting their feelings is actually lying and manipulation. You're Mm -hmm. basically manipulating their feelings to be what you want because you don't want to hurt them. So you're manipulating them by doing that. So really, you know, if you want to be honest to people, it is to tell them the things that hurt. Um, but it's out of your hands whether or not they get hurt by it. You, you can do it in a way where it lands softly and you may be surprised when they're not hurt by something. And that should give you some insight to the assumptions that you make about whether what the reactions are going to be and how damning that can be for your relationship. The other, you know, manipulation is something that you definitely want to try to avoid as far as using people for your own purposes, but I don't think it's something that is ever completely unavoidable. I think we do it in really subtle ways at times. Um, You know, I can think of an example of, like, I don't want to wash the dishes. The dog needs to go out. I'd rather walk the dog than do the dishes. So I say, hey, would you rather walk the dog and do the dishes, knowing very well that it's night out and she doesn't want to walk the dog and she'd rather do the dishes. So mm. that's a way for me to manipulate the situation to get what I want uh, and to basically avoid something very subtle, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not mm-hmm. malicious. There's no malicious intent, but it is something that still gets done. So it's you know, it's hard yeah. to avoid.
0: Yeah, and you talked about withholding information being the same you know, as lying to somebody. I think there are times where you are sparing someone potentially a lot of suffering by not telling them something that happened or like if, yeah, but I guess you're still manipulating their emotions to be what you want them to be and you can't control that. So yeah, yep. I don't know. Yep. That's a so tough one. So if you one.
1: basically decide, hey, I think they'll suffer if I say this, I don't want them to suffer. Therefore, I don't tell them. So in a way, you're manipulating them to not... Mm-hmm have that information to you know to feel whatever would bring about would bring about and of course you're telling yourself a story that they will suffer from this information where in reality you don't know you may think that you know you may you may draw a parallel to you know previous events where you shared similar information but people change they evolve they're not the same person that were in the past and so they may respond differently than you expect um and that shouldn't be the fear of what they're going to react should not be a reason for you to not be honest to them. I, and I mm-hmm. think that's hard. I mean, it's really hard to do, to really be upfront and honest with people. And it, it's not fun a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think if you if you can do it in a way that's really soft and still feels like you care for them and it's not malicious, I think that makes a world of difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: I think in a weird way, too, if you think about vertical relationships to withhold information and not tell somebody, it almost is a way of saying, I don't value enough to give you all the information. Um, So you may want to consider that, too. Yeah, (laughs) right. If you really want everyone to be equal, then everyone should have equal access to the same information that you're willing to give, which is challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's so many things to pay attention to as you're looking at your own relationships and assessing the role you play in them, what kind of influence somebody else has, you know, on you or uh that you have on them, making sure that you're you're trying to view it in um in that kind of light. What else? What other kinds of things damage relationships?
1: So we we need to talk about um Complaining, but before we talk about complaining, I think we should talk about okay. the idea of false positives, which we have in our notes here, which is something I was introduced to through what I was reading. I don't even remember what I was reading when I ke- was looking what at what I was positives. reading. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember. You just yoded
0: out trying to remember what you were What I was reading. What, question what mark. What was I reading? Yeah, that's um, a sentence. What was I reading? Yeah, what what was I, I was reading? reading is what you said. <laughs> uh, I think
1: it was triggers actually yeah I think it was triggers. Um so false positives are basically when we have an opportunity to demonstrate our brain power. Um we rarely consider the positive results of other people around us and so we make statements that upgrade ourselves above other people at the expense of them. So basically we put ourselves intentionally back into vertical relationships, which is interesting. Um, so some examples of false positives correcting another person's punctuation uh in others unless that's the goal of the situation you know you're in grammar class or something like that but or we're editing the document
0: together as we put that in there and i edit yeah, your punctuation no. as it happens yeah
1: <laughs> something like that it's uh it basically upgrades you above them it seems like something really nice that you're doing but in reality it's it's not nice it's actually you know kind of rude and hurtful um right. i told you those maybe you're right about something and you decide to rub it in um having moral Mm. superiority approaches like oh you shouldn't smoke or oh you shouldn't drink or oh you shouldn't eat red meat stuff like that um basically walking around telling people that you're a vegan all the time is a
0: way of false positives Uh, (laughs) because you're creating a scenario in your head where you are better than somebody else essentially right? essentially yeah yeah. well
1: and they know that you're basically demeaning them for their choices right so and Mm. then when we're in contact with other people, um, so w- when we're in contact with other people, we have the option of being helpful, hurtful, or neutral. And if we're not paying attention to which one of those we want, you know, it, often we end up choosing hurtful to appear smarter or better than other people. So mm. false positives are pretty terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, some of those, too, like the intention behind them is good, right? I, I was just trying to help. I was trying to well, correct your punctuation. I was just trying to help. It, or, maybe
1: surface level, right? I mean, yeah. I, you, it depends on how deep Like go Somebody could
0: it. innocently do that without realizing how that impacts somebody else. But then they might realize they have an inferiority
1: complex deeper within and they need to feel above other if people they, by correcting their punctuation. If it's, they go yeah. that deep, right? They yeah, might not on even on realize how deep we tell it. Yeah. We might like to say surface level, like, oh, I'm just helping you out, you know, I'm just here to help, or I'm just doing you a favor, uh, when in reality there's some other.
0: I think people probably do that very innocently, like, you see somebody type in an email, and you read over it, or you're like looking at it, and you chime in your thoughts or opinions on punctuation on it, like, your, pro- your intention, I-, I would I would guess at least most people's, intention isn't to belittle the other person or make them feel worse it's probably to try and help or you try and remind somebody of something that they've forgotten like you're attempting to help not be mean like Mm -hmm. I think some of these things in the in the false positives like while it is a negative thing that occurs and negatively impacts somebody else I think that it's people probably do it more without even realizing that they're doing it
1: I think context is key for this, too, for the situation, Uh, but I think there's always the possibility of, like, dig a little bit deeper into the unconscious reason behind why we do the things we do. Uh, You know, we will tell ourselves that things are innocent or why we do is innocent, you know, because we don't want to believe that we have these flaws, Um, but when we dig a little bit deeper, we might discover, wow, okay, what I think is innocent or what I tell myself is innocent is actually not really as innocent as I thought. I'm really trying to, you know, feed my ego um yeah. a little bit. It's
0: a good point. And I think I think that understanding and viewing it through that lens. I mean, obviously, I, maybe not obviously. This is this hasn't been a thought thread I've necessarily gone down before, so I'm assessing myself to some degree as I say that. And I know I've done this um in attempting to help somebody else. Not necessarily the moral superiority approaches of you shouldn't this, you shouldn't that. Um but going into a situation and attempting to help somebody else or share something with somebody else. Like it's definitely something that I'm guilty of that I'm going to be paying attention to going forward. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to make other people feel that way, or I don't want them to have a negative reaction to that. So to some degree in me saying that, like I'm, I'm rationalizing it for myself and talking through mm-hmm. it for myself as well. That's interesting. You mentioned, why, why do you say that?
1: Well, I just think it's interesting that you're, you're kind of rationalizing it on your own terms because you know that you've done it. I I think we've all done it. Uh, I I think it's unavoidable to do some of these things. Mm -hmm. I I know the moral superiority thing when I started going plant-based, you know, that was on my mind all the time. And I wouldn't necessarily tell people that they were killing themselves, but I would definitely think it. And thinking it is still part of it. I mean, you may not necessarily approach someone and hurt them with it, but to think it, I mean, it, kind of becomes part of who you are what you think is a part of you you know becomes part of your behavior and so to think those things doesn't really do you any favors either that's yeah that's
0: that's a good point for sure that's a good thing to pay attention to you mentioned complaining as well what you said complaining we need to tough. talk
1: about complaining. Well, I mean, we do have to talk about complaining,
0: don't <laughs> we? We do. You're complaining about talking. Complaining tough. Am, uh, That's complaining. <laughs> oh no, you did the thing. Yeah. So why, why bring up complaining in relationships? What What's the relevance there?
1: So I brought up complaining in relationships and even to ourselves. Um, so when it comes to relationships, complaining makes you miserable, essentially. Uh, it doesn't solve any of your problems. If anything, it just makes them worse. It kind of continues to unravel the fantasy. You're kind your of reliving the yourself. problem.
0: You're back yeah. in that mode where you're reliving the problem that you're yeah, complaining so about. Yeah,
1: so you're not fixing anything, right? And you're right. if it makes you miserable, think about what it does to other people. They certainly aren't having the time of their life by listening to you complain. And I would argue it's that true. a lot of people are either looking to try and fix your problem so that you'll just shut up about it (laughs) or they are checked out of the conversation and they're waiting till you're ready to move on to something else so that we can have a meaningful connection instead of talking about how much you hate your boss or whatever the case might be and like i mentioned when you complain to yourself it basically it basically shows up in your behavior you know and it as you complain to yourself constantly, even if it's under your breath or within your own mind, it alters your behavior and alters your connection with other people. So you shouldn't even do it to yourself. And that's not easy, but that's mm-hmm. what we should strive to not do. And I think that's the Amor Fati approach, uh, approach where yeah. we just go, you know what, I-, I love fate, can't do anything about it. Let's Let's grow from this. Let's be better. Let's move forward.
0: Yeah. Um, what can I do in the situation when all these things are outside my control? I'm not going to complain about them. Because it for sure does. If you think about a relationship with somebody or maybe your your coworker who is the, the most negative, right? They are never having a good day or rarely having a good day, rarely happy about anything. Like... They're, they're energy vampires. Shout out to whatever that vampire <laughs> show was that you, you introduced me to on Hulu. But they, they're that. energy vampires where they sap the energy from the room when they're there um, because it's it's draining to be around someone who's negative about everything, right? Yeah, It's fun and enjoyable to be around people who are positive about something or excited about something or, you know, talking about ideas or things that they want to do instead of just complaining about things that are outside their control or things that have no you know relevance in their life or to the moment that they're in i mean um, think about
1: how much value we give to people that when we engage with them and they're going through hard times when they come out when they're positive and stuff we say that they're noble and they're courageous and brave and stuff like that yep. right we yep. don't do that when people complain about stuff we don't say true. oh you know john's over here bitching and moaning about something well that's brave you know good for yeah, him that's standing true. up to voice his concerns like that's not what we do no we look for the people that go through adversity and they just tackle it and move forward in life and you know they don't they don't grimace about it Mm -hmm. um you know those are the people that we want to be around
0: yeah true very true those are the people that that breathe life breathe life into situations those are the people that keep society moving forward because they're paying attention to moving things forward instead of woe is me you know i'm going to complain about this cuz nothing gets done when you're just sitting there complaining right it's it's purely hypothetical informational none of it yeah. is actually tangible typically like if you're complaining about building the bridge that's going to solve the problem to get to the next town over you're just sitting at home on your couch
1: yeah you're not doing anything about it. to to take action right you're hardly even yeah. living in the moment um, yeah
0: so paying attention to that for ourselves like what things do we commonly complain about, or you know what things do we go down that rabbit hole because that's going to when we do that, it's going to negatively impact those people around us. Like we're going to be less enjoyable to be around. um it's going to be more difficult for others to engage with us. Since you typed the complaining piece in here before, I've been very cognizant, hyper aware of when I complain, when I'm negative, when you know I'm Uh, upset or frustrated about something, like, what kind of language do I use? Do I internalize that and work through it? Is it something that I um, share externally and, you know, seek for others to engage with as well? Like, you got to start internally, you got to start when you're the the knee-jerk reaction that you feel about something that's going to turn into that negativity. Like, that's where you got to nip it in the bud, because if you let that grow, it's just going to come out. You're going to share it. You're going to talk about it, um, which uncontrollably, I'm, yeah, uncontrollably, which has to make relationships harder, right? When somebody's yeah. negative and complaining.
1: Well, the other side of this that you mentioned, you know, when you're around people that complain and their energy vampires, a hard part of that, too, is that, you know, they do have a drain on you when you're around them. But the other challenging part for you is to recognize that they're complaining and the impact that they might have on you because you can work on changing that. You know, you don't have to be drained, um, but that takes work for you to either mm-hmm. step away from them or recognize that, okay, they're just going to go on a tangent. I'm going to go focus on something else or whatever the case may be. So I think that's pretty hard, um, but very necessary to consider. Yeah, we have mentioned that the average person spends 15 hours a month complaining, which is a
0: such an insane number. Where's that from? By the way, Where is, where's that statistic um, from? Do you know? Oh, geez, it's in your.
1: It's in one of the books. It, it's library. in my notes. Yeah, I was gonna say it's in my Obsidian notes. I'd have to dig it up. I'm not gonna type while we're on the podcast, but okay, it, it's in there. It lives in there. So it's from some book, I'm sure. And then, yeah. um. Because the definition that we had here came from it, which was, by definition, when you complain, you're being disagreeable and adding the implication that you would have done better or known better. It's rarely a positive contribution, especially when you do it behind the backs of others, Mm. which I thought was like, wow, that's gross. Um, Yeah. I think it's from the Triggers book, actually, now that I think about it.
0: That's really interesting. It's just something that's so flippantly done, I feel like, in... In modern times like the...
1: i do want to say the complaining is different than sharing information so yeah. for me you know to differentiate between the two telling me hey this happened versus adding a value judgment that's where the difference is between complaining and not when you start adding a value judgment on whether it's good or bad that something occurred to you i think that's when you cross over into i'm sharing information and now i'm complaining about something mm-hmm. uh, so i think that's the difference if you could say you know hey how was work It was a, you know, it was a challenging day, but we got through it. um, Versus, it was a horrible day, and I'm so pissed. Like that's when you've kind of crossed the threshold of, hey, it was challenging. That's more factual versus, oh well, okay, it's a horrible day as a value judgment because maybe it wasn't horrible for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably was though if you were complaining (laughs) the whole time at
0: work. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. (laughs) You make it horrible horrible because of me. Yeah. Interesting pay attention to how much we complain pay attention to when things frustrate us how we externalize that you know how do we internalize that first and then how does it come out does it does it come out
1: everything that ends up internally shows up externally too eventually Mm -hmm. that's just how it is anything you internalize shows up outwardly to everybody else
0: Hmm. interesting
1: gross to think about
0: yeah (laughs) yeah for sure
1: so the last part of the our conversation today, you had put the uh, the outro cue for me to ask you something, and you were just <laughs> like, hey, throw a question in here. And I, I did. I threw a question in there immediately. So the first question I asked, and it ended up being, okay, this is probably something everybody should ask in their relationships, but it wasn't intended like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just intended specifically for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it is good for everybody. Spicy, so the, spicy uh, meatball. Yeah. So the question I put in here is, how
0: can I show you that I love you? Ooh, it's that's a tough question. Uh, in the moment when you type this, I remember you typing it, and I jokingly said you are right now. Um, yeah. So I that. I, my, yeah my my primary love languages personally are acts of service and quality time. Those are my two highest ones. Um, so in that moment, you had done an act of service by saying, hey, we want to prepare for this episode. I'm throwing the Google Doc together. Let's do it. And you immediately just you initiated that time, which is important to me. And then we were spending time together, joking around, putting together this document for this project that we've you know embarked on together. And that matters to me a lot. Um, so it, it kind of was a moment that combined those two. So looking for moments where you can engage with me and just spend time with me. I love, I mean, you obviously know I'm a social butterfly. I know you need time to recharge so I don't inundate you with me now that I'm kind of <laughs> local again uh, for right now. But, um, you know, finding ways to engage with me, you know, even if it's, you commonly will just throw like a, hey, how's your day going? Or how's your week going? Those kinds of things into the, the chat between you and I, those things matter to me. Um, so putting in some level of effort you know, to the friendship, I think is one of the most meaningful things somebody can do for me. Um, and that can look like a lot of different things, but the effort is what comes through. Um, yeah, that that's effort. Continue to put in the effort that you put in. Um, that's why you and I have stayed close.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of the 4,000 weeks where he says it's not the thought that counts, it's the time invested that counts. Yeah. Um, that's what it reminds me of yeah because you know it 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 takes time to to show up for those kind of things and to show up for your relationships takes time and that's that's what makes them valuable
0: in the first place so Mm -hmm. yeah i i like that you brought up that this is a question that people should ask to those around them and those their closest you know if you if you were to list out your five closest friends relationships or even 10 like do you know this (laughs) answer about each of them, I think is an important thing to pay attention to. And have you, have you shared that information with each of them? Um, but once again, you can't, you can't force somebody to be open to the conversation, but you can ask the question and see where it goes. So your turn, buddy, how can I show you? I love you.
1: Well, I think you know
0: uh, this is where it's fun for us because we know each other so well. Uh, yeah, we should have <laughs> we should have like, taken turns answering for the opposite, but since yeah, you didn't get a chance yeah. to do that for me, I'm not gonna.
1: So yeah, I mean we've we've obviously been friends for a long time, and while our relationship has like kind of had an ebb and flow, it's always when we come back around to each other, it's always full investment from both sides, which is always nice. Yeah, um, we've always recognized that life kind of gets in the way sometimes of relationships, but. That doesn't mean that you have to let them fall to pieces. Right. So yep. that's something that's been really valuable for us. Um, for me, it's all quality time. That's always been the biggest one. I don't even know. I think physical touch was my secondary one. Um, but yeah, quality time's always been the biggest one. And you know, same for you when we're just in the Google Doc typing up our notes and stuff. Like that's why I'm there being present with you is because I'm getting just as much out of it as you are. And Mm -hmm. so when we type up our notes for the show, we do it together um, every single time. So far, I I can't imagine that we're going to do it any differently. In fact, no notes basically get done until we're together doing them.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And knowing that you've got your work stuff going on and have been busier... I wasn't pushing the issue beforehand. I know you had a lot going on, so I just kind of was subtly like, hey, what what do you think about this? And then you hit him with the, I think this calls for a Google Doc, and I was already ready, like, opening the tab, trying to make it. You obviously beat me because you're faster at Google docking than I am. But um, within minutes, we were in there working on it together. Yeah, Um, and I I think you bring
1: up a good point, too, is, like, you you need to know how another person likes to be loved and what you can do for that person especially if it's different than how you like to be loved it just so happens to kind of fall in alignment for us pretty well um but i think knowing you know knowing what's going on in another person's life is to also know when things might be a little bit different like you mentioned i'm i'm transitioning work right now so my life is a little bit up in the air and so i'm not as engaged as i normally would be i think this week like even a couple days went by before we even talked Uh, Mm -hmm. which is unusual yeah there was like a three-day gap and you were like are you alive and i was like yes i am i'm just trying to figure (laughs) out what is my life now (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah
0: yeah for sure and i know that that has a greater impact on you so i know that when you're going through that you need more you time to be able to recharge and work through what you need to work through and understanding that respect for somebody else i think is really important um anecdotally i have a a friend who is a listener, so I'm not going to go into anything, but I know this friend is going to counseling and I recently, or therapy, recently engaged with them, um, right after a session. Um, and I was like, wow, I get to talk to, you know, post counseling you, like that's huge. And they were like, the fact that you know that that's huge for me is way more huge than the fact that you get to interact with me in that moment yeah so how much it means to other people to understand and know them well and be able to to know when they need that time when to engage with them how to engage with them i think that's one of the most important things too like obviously there's how we each like to be loved and and showcase that but something that we really like at the wrong time is is still wrong (laughs) And it and it can come off wrong. So paying attention to not only you know what that person's default needs are, but where are they at right now, which I know you mentioned. But I think it's it's just a really important thing to keep in mind for ourselves as we assess our relationships around us and and ask, can we answer this question about the people that we know? and can did they know, you know, the yep. same information for us?
1: And you certainly can't expect to just know it offhand and you certainly shouldn't assume right. it about other people you want to ask you know what can i do for you what in a situation like this what's valuable for you you know there mm-hmm. are questions that you can ask and you shouldn't shy away from those kind of things so we yep. shouldn't assume and then eventually long term as you build a relationship you know and you're you're friends with someone or in a relationship long term you you instinctively start to know how they want to be loved or how they want to be approached in certain situations and so then you can kind of take a little bit more leeway in you know interacting with them in that way you know example that we had shared months ago was when you were having a difficult day and i think it canceled some of our plans i think we were going to record that day and i was just like do you want to get lunch instead or something um yep you know knowing knowing very well that you know i was just trying to get you out of the house and off your mind on some things and for me it was just it was lunch. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Time, yeah, it was quality yeah. time, though. It was quality time. And just knowing that, like... And I think that's where, you know, to circle back to the 4,000 weeks again, it's like, that's what matters. Like, not the thought of inviting you to lunch, but the fact that, you know, we took the time to get together to have lunch. I think that's what made it valuable. Yeah. Um, it made yeah. it so worthwhile. I mean, it ended up being, like, a three-hour lunch. It was. Yeah, it was.
0: It was, it was a really good time, for sure. And that... It just ties back into you control the part that you control in the relationship, right? And so in that moment, you got to decide how you wanted to show up as a friend for me. Um, And that's where having strong relationships, I feel like has such a benefit on someone's life that if you don't have those strong relationships, when you're going through it, you're going through something challenging, you're going through something difficult. Um, Having friends and people who can show up how you need it is crucial. But the groundwork is laid for that when the days are fine, you know, when oh yeah, nothing crazy is going on and work is work, right? It it, yeah. it is what it is and it it's always going to have its ups and downs, but if you show up in those moments and try and find the positives and work through them positively and are are you know, open to others' ideas and and set that groundwork to have really strong, healthy relationships when you have a year like many people had last year and you go through a lot of different things you come out fine you can come out fine unscathed from the challenges because you have people to go through it with you you have a support structure you know people are able to show up and help you in the way that you need because of the groundwork you did when everything was fine so i think that that's it's kind of the fruits of your labors because everybody's going to have struggles you know and nobody's life is going to be perfect yeah, there's gonna be
1: suffering inevitably for all of us. And it's just who do you want around you to help you with that suffering? And, you know, you have to build that relationship so those people will be there? And that doesn't yep. mean that they're gonna be there just for your suffering. You have to be there for theirs too. Yep. And I think that also plays into it's the you know, the quantity of your rela- or the quality of your relationships that matter, not the quantity of how many relationships you have. And I think that's something that we kind of lose track of with social media and Facebook and all this kind of yeah. stuff. We, we want to have
0: friends. <laughs> yeah. We want to have yeah.
1: 1100 friends. When in reality, like you, you probably need a handful of like really close people, you know, you can rely on through, through the challenges of life and, and all the yep. good things as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of mental debugging. I, I am curious how many of you have, list, uh, how many of you listeners have truly assessed or thought about your close relationships lately? Vertical? Are they horizontal? Do you find yourself judging or assessing others instead of treating them, you know, with kindness and, and listening, trying to understand them? Um, do you have relationships that are strong enough that they'll be there through those challenging times? Or are you not sure? Do you not know where you stand with people? Um, I know I personally have reflection material coming from this conversation with you, Chris. Uh, Hopefully all of you do at home as well. However you came into this episode, we hope you leave it with an expanded mind. Thank you all once again, and never stop debugging.